This is English VoiceOver in Asia, Episode 1. I'm your host, Yui Haruhara, but you may know me better as Yui Senpai on YouTube. Wait, that sounds a little familiar. Last episode was Episode 1. Well, I meant to say Episode 0 last episode, since it was the introduction. So, this time is for real. Episode 1. Our guest for today is Christian Lee. Christian has a history both on camera and behind the mic in Singapore. These days, he doesn't do a lot of acting, but he's been seeing a lot of success with a really cool app. We'll get to that later. I got in touch with Christian through kind of a chain. It started when I was looking for leads on the Singaporean English dub of an anime called Doraemon. I took a shot in the dark on someone that may have been involved in that dub, and while the person I contacted wasn't involved, he did tell me who voiced Doraemon, a Singaporean celebrity named Hosan Leong. From there, I talked to Hosan, and he delved into details on the dub, including the names of both voice directors. One of the directors was Christian Lee. I knew the name from my research into Singaporean English dubs of the worldwide phenomenon Yu-Gi-Oh! and a little anime you might have heard of once or twice called One Piece. These dubs are not as well known as their North American counterparts, but both were the first versions of the shows to be released in English. I reached out to Christian over email to talk to Raimon, and he went into extensive detail on the project. Unfortunately though, no footage is available of this dub, much as he'd like to find it. A year or so later, I reached out and requested him to be the first guest on this podcast. He gladly said yes. In this episode, we'll hear from Christian about his history in acting, voice acting, and what he's up to nowadays. Also, you'll hear some exclusive details about the Singaporean dubs of Doraemon, One Piece, and Detective Conan. Just as a heads up, I may dub over myself in a few sections as my mic encounters some glitches during recording this interview. So if you suddenly hear the audio quality change, that's why. Without further ado, here's my interview with Christian Lee. All right, hello everyone. So uh, I have here with me a very special guest for the first steps of my podcast. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi everyone, uh, I'm Christian Lee and uh... I guess I'm known to Yui as one of the voiceover actors as well as directors uh, for the Odex voiceover unlimited uh, recordings of Doraemon and uh, One Piece, that was the one I worked on, as well as uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, which I voice. So what got you into acting? Good question. What got me into acting? I, well, I just want to say thank you for even having an interest to hear about my life. So I oh, yeah, absolutely long-winded. <laughs> um, and it all started with that I was extremely shy in class and the kid across the street, uh, Malcolm McKenzie, uh, was in chorus and started to do musical theater. And he just told me to stop my art. You know, we had this, I guess, extracurricular thing in, in junior high. And he said, why don't you quit art and come and sing in chorus? And when I did, it was it unlocked everything for me. I, I became a little more gregarious. I became from introverted to out, extroverted, and and I learned sort of the 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 dynamic and power that performing on stage, as nerve wracking as it is, uh, it opened up for me personally. So that was my foray was mm. playing. Um, what was it? Little Abner, but I was Earthquake Magoon, who's a, uh, the antagonist to. Him, Malcolm, playing Little Abner and on stage singing and doing musical theater. I, I, I never even in a million years thought I would be doing that. <laughs> and when I did, it just unlocked. And so then launched, you know, high school madrigals, acapella. You know, who would have ever thought I'd be singing 16th, 17th century English acapella music? But it was amazing. And 
did all the musical theaters and and plays. Yeah. And that's what started, I guess. So that's what started me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll just, I'll continue on where I made the choice to become an actor was after uh, high school and doing all that play and everything. And then I went into, to university, I got involved and started a band, but wow. always, yeah. So I played bass. I started with this band and you can look it up. It's called lawsuit. I think our YouTube lawsuit. channel is Lawsuit the Band or Lawsuit Music. <laughs> I'm going to date myself, but we, you know, would do gigs and open up for bands like uh, No Doubt, Cake, and Green Day. Wow. But we were a 10-member band with kungas and congas and, and, and full horn section. I played the bass, and it was just this amazing thing that I just started with four friends, and then it grew with all our old high school friends and Wow. college friends and then we wanted to get a record label but so meanwhile i was performing on stage doing the band thing it was every thursday friday saturday night but i always had this interest in in acting but i could never do any plays or anything because the band sort of had to come first oh, so when yeah. the band broke up after a nine-year stint i had to make a choice and i'll just get to the acting part and i said either la or new york at the time i was living uh in san francisco oh wow and i just said um, who are the, all the actors I respected? And I started to research their background. Where did they study everything, you know, from Robert De Niro down the line, Meryl Streep. And it's like, that's New York. It's not LA, it's New York. I, I have to go yeah. to New York. And so I packed it up and, and went to New York. And then uh, after studying with uh, Bill Esper, it was fantastic. And just, you know, doing the whole, paying the dues, and you know, getting agents, doing that whole thing in New York, then it was time to meet some other goals. So, so they, I was, you know, getting some work. I was living as an actor in New York, but the other goal was to travel. I always loved traveling, and I always wanted to come to Asia. So I thought I could package two in one. And I heard of this place called Singapore, right, and <laughs> where they had a, a second English channel that just started. So I was like, English channels? They're doing dramas? You mean I could actually play the lead role and not just sort of your stereotypical Asian role, which was the doctor, gang member, delivery boy, you know, scientist. So I said, okay, I'll go for a week to Singapore and I'll try and hustle, make connections and get some work. And if it doesn't pan out, I'll go to Bali, have a really nice time, then go back to New York and, and go back to the, the life I have there. So what ended up as a one-week venture out, try and get work, met Jose Mion, showed me around, introduced me to an agent, everything opened up, and it turned into a nine-month nonstop working. I got to play wow. Romeo and Romeo and Juliet in an uncut version at one of the old theaters here, which is the Victoria Theater. Wow. It's been redone, but it kept its, all its beauty and splendor. I mean, it just opened up like, it's like, okay, I get it. Okay, there's the this, this second... Uh, English language, but it was a thriving theater community. And it was just sort of the right place at the right time. Wow. Or I was the right, I was the right fit, I guess I should say. Yeah. That's then when I met Chuck Powers and he's a theater guy and he just said, yeah, I love theater. And it's like, and I was like, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm about to embark on this project where there's this company called Odex that has secured all the rights to do the redubs and sell these redubs around the region. And they, you know, they they're going to be doing focused on Southeast Asia for the English dubs because they can bring down the cost. Obviously right. you mm -hmm. might be familiar with SAG and mm -hmm. 
unions. So, which is great because it protects the voiceover artists. It's just that for these markets that are opening up, they can't afford those yeah. rates. The, the market just, the business model doesn't work. So he would take non-union voiceover talents and, and find them, oddly enough, find them all in Singapore, whether they were Americans or whether they're Singaporeans. Yeah. And I have to say, I have met so many Singaporeans that can do every voice dialect under the sun. You want British, you want neutral Singaporean, you want you know, Hong Kong, you want uh, American, they'll deliver. Wow. And that's what opened the world to sort of voiceovers. I started to get, I had done commercial voiceovers just as an actor, not really in New York. Well, one missing piece was in San Francisco. I was a talent agent and uh, <laughs> which was really funny. So I, I worked the kids department as well as I'd help out with the voiceover department. And I'd see these voiceover artists, the best personalities ever. <laughs> They'd come dressed, you know, it's, it's California, San Francisco like flip-flops, t-shirts, and they're older <laughs> gentlemen, middle-aged, and they're like, hey, how are you? And, and you know, and they have this amazing ability to use their voice to portray a message, a story, a character. And they have just this amazing life. I always was jealous. Oh, I want to be a voiceover actor. I want to be a voiceover actor. That's sort of how that connected from me being an agent to then saying, you know what? I don't want to be an agent. I want to be in front of the camera. I want to be the tell I want to be the performer, the thing that I was in junior high and high school, the thing that unlocked me to come out of my shell. I want to do that. Total chance, you know, I, I'll yeah. just have to say, it's a crazy thing to say, okay, I really want to go and make it. I'm going to pack everything and just go to New York with a little nest egg that I made. And as you probably know, it, in uh, your day job, you sort of build that nest egg to be able to afford the things you want to do. Yes. In this case, I, I built this ne nest egg and then I said, okay. And, and at the time it was the whole Silicon boom mm. right before the bust, right? Yeah. In the early 2000s. So, I mean, I was, I was just working at a headhunting firm, placing contractors, uh, you know, engineers trying to build the first mobile device that could surf the internet. That's how exciting Silicon Valley yeah. was at the time. And I remember a lot of stars like, hey, Christian, you're really good at sales. You want to be part of our startup. And it's like, thanks so much. I really enjoyed, you know, working part-time for your company, but I'm going to go to New York and be an actor. Like, who would have thought I could, I could be a billionaire? Who knows? Who would have, should have, could have? Anyhow, back to Singapore. Um, it was just my interest in voiceovers, being able to have an opportunity to voice characters and the fact that they have all these, uh, all the rights to do remakes. Um, uh, well, a lot of work and effort went into them. Yeah. Uh, well, why don't I just pick it up there? Because I, I have to, to kind of give credit where credit is due. Um, and that is everything starts with a great story and a great yes. script. So with these series, the fact that they're, they're crafted, I mean, the animation's so yes. great and they're so touching and so cute mm -hmm. and just, Great to be a part of it, uh, but it really starts there. So, so the, these have stood the test of time because yes. story is and character building is is just really tight. So that made it a joy because mm -hmm. that part a joy and a curse <laughs> <The> joy <laughs> was unlocking these stories. The curse was how do you get them translated? So, so, yes. so you know, it was one thing. Odex, you know, gets the IP. 
so you have all, you know have all so how it's done as you know in in voiceovers you have the scripts and they're all in <laughs> japanese yeah and then you have the visuals and then you have the voiceover dubs in japanese with no what they call emini you know music and, and effects and okay. then you have a music effect track and and sometimes that's just one strip track and i sort of do it like this because everything in an editing suite is like timeline right yeah so the idea and the process is that you take the scripts and you have them translated and obviously as you might know you probably I, I, i'll just go on the record i don't uh know japanese okay. so that made my challenge even more difficult but for people that do know japanese i have heard and i think uh, hopefully you might know that grammar is pretty much flipped over yes so it is you, you know, you have to get a native Japanese speaker to translate. But, you know, in Singapore, I think we had a few translators. And what they were was uh, they were Thai Thais. So Thai Thais are usually wives that have traveled with their very successful business husbands. Oh. And, and they get sort of an expat life in Singapore where okay. they find themselves, you know, it, having tea and going to the country club gets old. So... <laughs> They want to do something a little more meaningful, something that they may have a skill set on. And obviously they have some translation skills. So they're willing to do it at the time. I think uh, Chuck Powers and VoiceOvers Unlimited secured all these sort of Japanese translators and everything's a limited squeeze down budget as we uh, previously mentioned of why. So he had to crank these out. So it starts with just getting scripts translated. But then, you know, these are, you know, tie ties, so they might drop off. They you know, this is too much work. <laughs> yeah. Go back to the country club. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you have these half-baked translations. And so we had two passes of what's called cleanup. The first pass is just get everything grammatically correct. So yeah. it meant the first whack through on the translations, just literal translations makes no sense. Yeah. And the cleanup, you almost have to watch what is unfolding in the story and then you have to make a creative decision it's like uh, oh, and it can go wow. various ways as you know you could make it go completely adult oriented or g-rated it's your choice yeah then go through translate the story to something the way people would speak grammatically have some colloquialisms as we talked about with the singapore dubs and then the third pass is it's got to fit the sink and that that was the most challenging because at times oh gosh <laughs> i go in the booth you have limited time with these voice actors they're all on package rate i mean they worked hard once again i want to yeah. give credit where credit's due i would have not wanted to be a voiceover actor in the singaporean doraemon dub <laughs> maybe it's because i say that because i was the director and <laughs> i had to get a job done yeah. The takes had to sometimes do several, and it wasn't the actor's fault. It was just the translated materials. Like, let's mm. say you have, uh, you know, five syllables working with the the lips oh moving, gosh. and you, and and the sentence is ten syllables or, or or something just not fitting. You have to on the fly kind of edit the script so it's not, you know, as, as well as the actors are on there. And I think I mentioned this to you in an email are on their feet watching the lip sync and actually changing words on the fly. So, so if you can imagine, I'll try and paint the scenario. I, I've got my mic right here, but the mic's fairly close. You're in a tight and closed airtight thing. 
you have a small TV screen doing playback for the visuals. Yeah. You have the bastardized script of like corrections marked out. Oh my gosh. Everything in, in English, but you're watching the story unfold as you're voicing one character. It is literally like juggling five balls at one time. They keep them out the air. And then you have a director going, okay, um, that was okay. Let's just do that line again. We play back. You got good enough to where you couldn't sync everything right spot on. You might be a few milliseconds behind the actual uh, lip sync, but you knew enough about, you started to get better about rhythms of when you see a voice, uh, uh, lips yeah. in the character going like that, you kind of start to get a sense whether something fits and you can press on. So at the time I had um, an engineer, uh, no, no, sorry, <laughs> I was the engineer. God, <laughs> I remember now, literally directing, wow. watching, and then I had a, a script supervisor who was going, making sure we got everything. Yep, yeah, we got that lined. We did wow. this take. Take three is the good one. And you just were trying to be as efficient as you could to get things in the can, like get things recorded and move on. After that was locked, then came the process of uh, <laughs> editing. Crystal, she and, and a few other engineers had to hop on and take a look at all this out of sync material, look mm -hmm. at the script um, uh, guide of which takes were the, were the good ones. And then here's the Singaporean slang, which ones were NG that you ignore? NG oh. mean no good. Yeah, no good. <laughs> yeah. And then they would slot and they would edit and the finagle get the sync. Then it would preview when it fit, flowed well. Any other pickups that need to be done, bring the actors back in. Usually it was our next session. Do the pickups first from the previous episodes and then forge on to the new episodes. Then they would uh, lock it and they start to mix all the levels for the music effects. And then another preview. A lot of work, right? And then to top it off, here's the curse. Um, I don't know why, but you know we're running on IMAX, and uh, you know we got them in bulk, and they were brand new, and we had you know legit copies of Pro Tools, everything, and they just kept crashing. Oh no! They kept crashing, and a lot of times, sometimes hours of work could be lost. And oh, I know the feeling. Oh. And you know, it hurts just to hear just this. Was, I know, and it was tough back then, right? I don't think we had SSD drives. I, I, everything took, rendering took a, overnight. You, you did an episode oh of render, Like it just was painful. Like we're so lucky to be living in this age to see how far technology yeah. in, in terms of media Truly. production. Okay, that was a long spell, but that's what the, in a, not in a nutshell. In a long-winded way, was yeah. the process. I was going to ask that uh, later down the line, but that is, yes, that is all the info I wanted to know about, kind of what was the process like. No, that's really interesting. Just knowing what I know about how it works in America, yes, you still have to mess with lip flaps, but there's, like, dedicated teams to doing so much. Like, I couldn't yeah. imagine doing it with the, the tiny team you have with... Um, like you said, you had very talented people behind it that could work with it. But yeah, with the, it sounds like. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah it's definitely shoestring budget. So in, in a way, ignorance was a little bit of bliss. We had a lot of, uh, including myself, completely new to the, the process. Right. And so you just sort of figured out what you need to get done with the tools you had. And, and yeah. that was it. Yeah. And, you know, 
well, the work ethic in, in Asia is, is, is something else too. It's like, there's no nine to five, go home five o'clock and play with the kids at the park. No, forget about that. It's you, you work till you get it done. There were a lot, (laughs) we're in an industrial park. We don't have windows. We just went in and got, got stuff done. Needless to say, I, after that job was done and one piece was in the can, Conan, Conan the detective was done. Um, that was my next chapter was like, I, I, I just, I couldn't do this anymore, but I also wanted to do something else, which was, I wanted to move to China, to oh, Beijing. Really? I wanted to study Mandarin and I wanted to see what China was. I just want, I love that whole adventure. And, yeah. and, uh, and I didn't even know if I'd come back to Singapore. It was a sort of the chapter was closed. And the voiceovers and all that uh, that work, the acting work, saved up the nest egg, and it was on to the next little adventure, which was China. Yeah. But let's uh, stick with what we're all here for, which is to talk a little bit more about these great. Animals. Might circle yeah. back to that later, but yeah. Um, has anyone else ever interviewed you about your work in anime? No, you are the first, and um, I'm really honored actually that you connected. With me, I, and I just hope I was gracious when you first connected with me. I think you sent a few emails, but I was just like I could tell your your genuine sincerity and like wanting to find out more, and that yeah, you were a huge fans. So it's like, no, this is great to sort of go go back. Who can I connect you with? Yeah, it is a small community here in Singapore, but I think as people have moved on, it, unless you're in those circles, like I, I've really sort of moved out of those circles, but yeah. at any point in time, I could reconnect like I did with <laughs> Crystal, who's, yeah. you know, in, in, uh, in Zurich. Yeah. And, uh, Gerald, Gerald, reach, Zurich, yeah. Gerald reached out to you. Cause remember yes. you, yeah. And Gerald recently reached out to me, but I think I, I gave you his name and, yep. and there was I reached out. And, 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 yeah. A- anyhow, but, um, yeah, more questions regarding, this sort of ragtag team we had of very talented people. Um, and so what do you do in your free time? Uh, uh, currently, what do I do in my free time? Or back then, what do I do in my free time? I guess both. <laughs> okay. Well, well, back then, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was an actor that then made this choice to save the nest egg to, to do voiceovers uh, and direct them. And so I'd say my hobbies were guitar. I, I always had a guitar. And so I was always playing a lot of bossa nova music or trying to play bossa nova music. And, and, uh, it, and it's only just because in college, I, I had a language requirement in high school. You have a language requirement. I took Spanish. Then in college, I had another language requirement as a history really? major and I didn't want to take Spanish again. Yeah. But, so I, I oddly enough chose Portuguese. I don't know what I was thinking, but what, uh, Portuguese taught me was well. It opened the world of not only Portugal but of Brazil and then Brazilian yeah. music and bossa novas. And I just studied abroad in in Rio de Janeiro or Rio de Janeiro, they would say. And that's I always it has always been sort of a part of me. I love to this day listening to uh, Brazilian bossa nova music. So I, I, music I, I love. Um, I wish I could play more. So currently now I. I, I wish I could play more jazz piano. Mm. Um, I, I, so what I do in my free time, it's not really my free time. It's a family man. So I have two small kids, who, uh, you know, just try and spend as much time yeah. uh, with them. And I have now pivoted from voiceovers doing the sit in China, which opened up the world of film producing and really, truly behind the camera. 
and then working on films there, back to Singapore, getting married, and then meeting my fellow uh, co-creative partner, Jason Chan, yeah. who um, we we're both sort of similar stories. He grew up in Australia. Really? Grew up in America, and we both found ourselves being actors in Singapore. <laughs> uh, we had a lucky break, though. He, he got to be a superhero, so he was the Green Power Ranger. But we wow. knew that we, yeah, it was, it's, it's pretty cool. Like to, to, I mean, it's like, he just did an, a conference or another um, a, a, a meetup or something. And like there, the fan base for Power Rangers is huge. And yes, so it is. <laughs> he's, he's, he's getting to tap into that now, but his, his journey of wanting to be more than just an actor and, and be just a, a piece in the works, but be more of the creative force we knew that in order to create better work for ourselves as actors, we had to do the hard part, which is to do the, the create, to write, to learn everything about production, whether it was shooting, directing, editing. Yeah. And luckily that sort of, it coincided with the sort of the, that burst uh, and change in technology where DSLR cameras came about, where everybody could afford you know, I think it was uh, Apple that just launched like for $300, you could have, you know, FCPX. And it was just that convergence. We we had to be right time, right place. Wow. You know, a couple, a couple of actors that wanted to just sort of hang up the shoes because like the roles and the projects were not that good anymore. Even one that I did, my last one, which was in China, and you can research this, uh, but I'll go on record. It was probably the one that made me say, I, I don't really want to be an actor anymore. It was a break, a Hollywood break. It was um, a project called Marco Polo, not the Netflix Marco Polo. It was a telly movie with Ian Solmohalder playing Marco Polo. And he, he's uh, famous from, I think, that vampire show, as well as he was the one of the brother-sister on Lost. Anyhow. Okay, wow. Seemed like a great opportunity. Went there, it was like, okay, this is finally, I'm a part of the main cast. I'm playing this character called Kogatai, which is bad, 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 bad guy, Mongolian, right? Yeah. Um, and then what, what kind of killed it for me was that they hired, they had to hire an A-lister to play Kupla Khan. And so they chose uh, Brian Dennehy for, for Kupla Khan. And it was just kind of like, uh, for obvious reasons, a little bit of a mismatch. I mm -hmm. mean, and then, uh, you know, at one point he wanted to do yellow, yellow face and that sort of got, you know, that got, there was pushback on that and fought and, you know, BD yeah. Wong who played Pedro, which was one of the characters, main characters in that, in that two part telly movie, you know, took a stance. And so that didn't happen, but what we ended up getting was, you know, Kubla Khan that was, you know, not phoning it in, but you know, it was, it just didn't work. It was like a guy with a bit of a New Jersey accent playing Kubla huh. Khan and just that, and it's like, it was, it was kind of like, oh, okay, well, I, I, you know, was, I can't, I can't stand for this. I'm just going to take a break from yeah. the acting from now on. And yeah. if I really want to make change, so back on track, I, uh, I have to start learning to create. So with, with Jason and I, we, we started a production company called Banana Man Films. And then we started to do um, TV series, uh, web series, and then a feature film, and wow. so that sort of merges into the free time. Like it's uh, like I'm now doing exactly what I'd love to do. 
And not every free minute is doing that. I'm just sort of doing family guy. He's doing family guy. Mm-hmm. And then we're getting to do what we love to do, which is learn how to, to, you know, create stories and, you know, get to act in them as well yeah. as get write them, direct them, produce them and edit them. And um, this is something you didn't, uh, we didn't really go over. How long were you with voiceovers unlimited? That's a good question. I think it was a year or maybe just huh. short of a year, but it was, they had all the rights to the, the, the series, the anime series. And so he came in with the ability to say, look, uh, if you give me a budget, I can, we'll, we'll do a joint venture. You invest okay. in this equipment. I'll hire the talents. I've got the talent. And he was very talented. Chuck Bowers was, he could do voices. He had the, yeah. the young hero voice really well. And he was just <laughs> really sharp at directing and knowing things w- would work. Um, but once again, you know, I, I still can't believe we pulled it off like what we did. But yeah. he he was the he was the thing that drove this thing forward and got got those things made. It wasn't easy, and he was you know, he cracked the whip sometimes. Yeah, and yeah, I think it was you know he's obviously from America, but he um, was in the U.S. military, so he ran pretty tight. Oh, ship. I didn't he know that. Cracked the whip, and we got it done. I remember that day. I, I told him. I said, you know what, this is good. I'm gonna, you know, give my resignation. <laughs> That's not oh. bad. I, and of course, the thing you do is you go up in person and you hand your letter over, and the member's like, "So what's up?" And he's talking to me, and I just, well, I have these other goals, you know, I'll go to China and everything. It's like right. this is just at at that point, I like had it up to there. I was I was like, it's too little sleep, too much work. It's just not yeah. worth it anymore. I just remember he says, you know. I was in the U.S. military, and we don't know the meaning of quit. You don't quit. Oh, my gosh. I was just like, yeah, but I'm not in the U.S. military, and I'm quitting. Yeah. (laughs) I I didn't say that. Inside, I wanted to say that. I just retreated back to that small, shy boy in the back of the class that never did musical theater. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I had no idea he was in the military. Wow. I don't know if he really was, but that's what he said. I think he might have. He 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 was pretty he he was pretty he was pretty hardcore. Like he had he could work hard. Huh. He, he he had stamina. That it's it's good. I mean that that was another thing. Like being an actor, um it it's it can be a very selfish profession. Like you really sort of go after it. But I I, I knew in my heart after sort of like traversing the world and when you know living that actor's wonderless life kind of thing <laughs> that i always wanted to be a family guy and that i always wanted to do something more than just be an actor so it was yeah. a it was nice to sort of get all that out of my system to really get behind the camera to how you see how the magic happens that's why i really want to emphasize things start with the writing like yeah. the creative process starts mm-hmm. there and without that we wouldn't nobody would have anything to yeah. make or to talk about or nothing. So, right. Uh, and that's why, what, what, what is nice about, I think Japan and Korea uh, is the writers are put up on a pedestal, maybe in America as well. Um, Singapore could do a little bit more of that where they really value the writers and the writing process because, you know, you don't have anything without those. How many projects did you work on with VoiceOvers Unlimited? 
And, and yeah, so, if memory serves. So the ones I actually directed, I think I, I had mentioned to you, that was the uh, Raimon and uh, Detective Conan. And one piece I only directed a few few episodes, not much. Chuck, that was his, his project. <laughs> yeah, it was and Chuck so and Brian. Point, but you know, whenever he had something, he needed someone to step in just to 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 do a few bits. I, I was right. sort of that that person. Right. And then that thing ran itself. He had so much powerful talent with Brian and uh, Jamie. Yeah. Uh, Meldrum, yeah, uh, doing so many voices, but those guys could just they could figure it out, and <laughs> you just even with uh, with Joe Murray, yeah, Joe's was literally like press record. Let me do that again. Okay, cool. Uh, and he'd come up with brilliance, and he'd do it. So very little directing, actually. Yeah. That is the main advice for any directors out there casting: just cast great actors, great talent, and you don't really have to do anything; you just let them go. Um, and so voiceovers was uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! And then um, the part in One Piece. Yeah, and, Shanks. Yeah, Shanks. Yeah, thank you. Uh, yeah, I think that was it. I, I want to say one more, but can't remember what it you was. Were, you were Mokuba in Yu-Gi-Oh! The little yeah. brother. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um. <laughs> That's really funny. You should say, because I have two older brothers, but my eldest brother, I, I always say, big brother, big brother. Because <laughs> <laughs> we, I, I had to say big brother. I, that line was so much. Yeah, it's, what, it's kind of what he does. <laughs> yeah, so when, I, when, I, when I Skype my brother, I was like, big brother. <laughs> <laughs> so did you, um, I did have a question about that. Um, did you pitch up that voice in post? I think it was pitched up a bit. If okay. I listen to it, because I'll be really honest with you, as a voiceover artist, I'm pretty good with. Um, he's a he's a PC. I'm a Mac. Ah. I'm just the sort of tech guy, just laid back voice. Mm. In terms of character voices, I, I'm I'm not very good. I as a matter of fact, I'm so jealous of people that are. But it's amazing just to be a director to hear the talent yes. unfold. But where I wish I could do voices. Mm. Just not that guy. So yeah, I think it was pitched up embarrassingly so, and I think you could actually hear that it was pitched up. I mean, I'd love to say, like, if we had the talent pool and we had the budgets, we had the market like America, like, I think that's the place to play because there's just so much talent. Oh, there's so much, especially now. Yeah. And and everybody's got a home studio, right? Everybody's working. Yeah, they had to this past year. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was Um, fascinating how they did it. But it was nice to play a part, you know. But I think, yeah, I wouldn't survive in this day and age. It's just way too much talent. And you could, and you could just hire them anywhere in the world. Can you imagine if we had, if we <laughs> we'll play a little game? We um, had to do the dubs, but you could, you could hire a non-union, yeah, anywhere in the world. And they just lay down the dubs. You send them the MP4 of the video. Yeah. They're like laid down. Okay, this is in the can, and you're all like, oh, this is so awesome. And you're just assembling <laughs> the edits. Yeah. That's the that's the world we live in. Yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible. So, um, a lot of the general questions are out of the way. This has been super, super insightful. I've absolutely adored this. Um, oh, cool. So, my fan base is in love with Doraemon. That's where I, where I took off as a creator was I did two videos about Doraemon. I did kind of the English dub history, and Odex was part of that. But at the time, yeah. and as of now, there is no real footage other than the trailer I sent you. 
that was randomly found in a library of all things. So we're gonna yeah. talk a few, little bit about Doraemon. Um, so when you said that was what two thousand two? Yeah, it was around two thousand two. So the hi- history, as you know, remember I had mentioned that Singapore had these two English channels. So yeah, at the time one was by SPH, was Singapore Press Holdings. So okay. they are known for publications, the Straits Times, the the main. Uh, newspaper here at the at that time, and they made a foray into uh, broadcasting, television broadcasting. So they had competing stations. Finally, that market big enough where they had yeah. an English channel. Uh, so part of the regulation here is if you're going to be a broadcaster, you have to have a certain amount of channels in the different languages that we represent because we're kind of harmonious here and we want to represent everybody that lives in Singapore. So it was Channel I was the English station for the new, brand new station, SPH. And then the um, Media Corp, which is the longstanding broadcaster, had at the time something called Channel 5 and then Kids Central, as, as you pointed out. So I think what happened, that trailer, what happened was Channel I first was the first to broadcast. So this was created, the Doraemon series with the Singapore English dubs were created for Channel I for their okay. sort of kids segments in the mornings. Okay. Then there was an acquisition and MediaCorp then took over all of uh, the media works, uh, including Channel I. And then I think they took that content and they started probably broadcasting on their Kids Central. Kids Central is, doesn't even exist anymore. Then it merged and then it rebranded to something called Octo and then Octo then rebranded into something else, and and now just well, broadcasting has sort of just dissolved. Yeah, just online streaming. So I think it's MediaCorp now has something called MediaWatch, which is just a streaming platform. They do still broadcast, but okay. very few people actually. I think most people are kind of just watching stuff on the internet now. Yeah. Okay, so one of the interesting things I've discovered in research when I was reading a book that's actually from a professor at uh, Ohio State University, um, uh-huh. she said um, Fujiko Productions was involved with every Doraemon dub that's out there. How involved was the Japanese side with this dub? With this particular dub, uh, as far as I know, not, not <laughs> much. Okay. I don't know if they were signing off on the scripts. All I know is the process I told you. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I'd get those the scripts. We'd have to make some changes. Um, and then they would go through another kind of uh, previewing and before they were signed off and then delivered. So I'm okay. not sure what kind of deal they had. I do know that this was only going out sort of to broadcast in Singapore. I don't think it had... Uh, I don't think they had plans for it to have legs anywhere outside of Singapore. Right. So maybe something was uh, negotiated in, mm. to that point. So in that respect, I think it's such an original thing that was done, like to be yeah. part of something that's like, oh, okay, well, hold on, they're doing it in sort of really hyper-localized, specific for a, a small market, right? Yeah. But they but they did it with local artists that are n- known here. Um, and it was specific to Singaporean kids, and that's probably who, who was going to watch it. I don't know how it got buried and where they are. It would be really great, and I'll, and I'll rack my brain. On, there could... is one other person oh. trying to remember her, her last name. I was going to say surname, last name, Taz. Oh, 
I know who Taz Gill. Taz Gill. She is Singaporean and she's probably still in Singapore. And at the time, Taz was uh, the business partner, Chuck Power. So they yes. did a lot. She was amazing at, at working with all the translators, tr- sort of getting them up. But the work was monumental. But that was the person I worked a lot with to just get the scripts, work with the scripts. So Taz Gill. Wow. You, you, I just want to uh, compliment you on your ability to research and, and the fact that you, you've got so much information. Like you weren't even there. You weren't even working with these people, but you know them and know of them so much more than me. So thank you. But, but oh, uh, you know, the other hot lead is would be Odex. And I don't know. If- I already reached out. They seem to be confused about what I asked for. It's a family business. I remember it was really? two brothers and a sister. And they popped by the studio. Obviously, they were, you know, they were the they were in the investment arm. They had to see what what their investment dollars were going into. They just wanted to know that it was being delivered so then they could sell it. And and Chuck Bowers and, and Taz with Voiceovers Unlimited were the uh, exec, execution team. So they'd go, Yep, this is what we did. We rented the space, we got this equipment, we have the staff. And they'd pop in and I knew it was a, yeah, they would be, I'll, I'll see. I don't know if, if I could reach out to them that I'm here, but I would almost think that they would have masters as well because they're the ones who paid for all the work to be done. Right. Um, let's talk a little bit about one piece. Uh, so it sounds like you weren't too hands-on with that, but, um, I did tell you by email about it because you were Shanks. You were the first person to voice Shanks. Oh, yeah. that, that's great. No, that was... <laughs> I mean, I didn't get to voice much, but I got to voice yeah. Shanks. Yeah, so he still fun. doesn't appear much. It's unfortunate because I love him. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, One Piece is still going. Like... A, a great series, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, it's an adventure, right? Like, it is an uh, absolute adventure. So many characters. I can't imagine oh in gosh. America, like, every single character is probably... Every voice actor is doing maybe one, whereas... like the guys are doing like 10 20 voices (laughs) it's funny because now with the way the world is now like there's remote studio out in la they will have people from la because the current dub is in texas that's where they're based out of um they'll pull people from the la cat for the la talent pool and have them voice characters yeah. It's still a ton of work because it's it's one piece. It's almost a thousand episodes. Just so now. many pirates. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, a, I, it's what got me back. I, and, there's, anime. and there's such character voices, like yeah, yeah. Because from what I, I can tell, Brian, Brian Zimmerman did one character. Zorro. I remember, like sometimes we just try and come up with the voices right then and there. Yeah, you have to notate what was that voice like. And I'm trying to remember the pirate, but. Brian Zimmerman, you know, all these voice actors can do all the different voices. Yeah. He just says, yeah, I'm going to do Clint. I'm going to do that's Clint. Zorro. That's Zorro. Uh, that's three sword style. Zorro. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, his, and it was just it was so cool. It was such a good Clint Eastwood accent. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. That, that's it. That just <laughs> matches perfect. Yeah. Um, how involved was, to- I don't know. You didn't, you know, you said you directed a few episodes. How heavy a hand did Toei have? in that series with one piece yeah uh, now something is coming back i do okay so at the time when these would go roll out they always tried to do um the merchandise play so i know odex i think had 
on certain series, like let's say uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, they'd roll out the yo-yos in every like uh, Cheers store, which is like the equivalent of 7-Eleven. So okay. kids would have watched the show and then they were like, oh, cool, the yo-yo, all right, yeah. And they would, so I'm pretty sure Toei did a lot of merchandise whenever something rolled out. I, I, okay. I, I can't really remember because I had left for China when, when they actually aired here okay. but that if I, if I was to take a educated guess i would say they had a part to play in in all the merchandise rollout okay just yeah, a, yeah. one piece is still going strong and you've contributed to the legacy of that <laughs> like oh, just kind of really great to know yeah, yeah no. one piece is the best-selling manga in the world right now like wow. of all time yeah um no, i mean like once again, bringing it back to the creation, right? Yeah. I mean, this is crazy, right? Like, yeah. It's like to have the imagination to think, yeah. Like you know, they really they reinvented pirates, like and so cool <laughs> and like, yeah, really cool pirates. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's it's absolutely wild how how long it's been going, but I, I love it. I keep up with it every wow. week. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, Detective Conan. So how how involved were you with Detective Conan? Pretty involved. So really, yeah, yeah. So I I don't know if I finished all the series. I might have been a pass off, but I did do a lot of Joe. Like you can confirm this with Joe Murray. We did a lot of late nights together because he was also in uh, I think finance, and it was that was really? his day job. And then he would after he'd finish up work, he'd get off coming to the studio oh my gosh and then we, we 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 would we'd spend some long hours oh my gosh so you directed at times we get testy i was just trying to make sure that we got the one that really worked so sorry you let me one second yeah no rush um but yeah I, I i did a lot of that but there was a few people i think working on that but i do remember recording a lot of I don't know if it was like that one assigned. I saw in the credits you were the assistant director. Yeah, probably Chuck took on major. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. But I did. But at that point, there was our hands were so full that you know we just we had to do what we needed to do. And then of course Chuck had power to assign anybody a credit. Yeah. So with Detective Conan, um, I, I'm a fan of Detective Conan. Not as big as fan as other people I know, but um, yeah. it's so heavily built on wordplay, and I know that's one of the challenges of putting this in English. How did you work with that, or did you work with that? Were you involved with that aspect of it? Well, okay, I'm going to really rack my, my brain Yeah, here. it's okay if you don't remember examples. It's like... I, do, I don't really remember any examples, but I do know that I was really, really thankful to have Joe Murray... Uh, as Detective Conan, and and the fact that we had liberties to make it work, yeah, and the fact that it was such a great, adorable, you know, series where the mysteries get solved every episode, yeah, that he he had a lot of input, and it was just like I'm telling you, at those hours, it was just like Joe, myself, and then the script supervisor writing down which takes were good, and it was just. Yeah, how about this? How about that? Okay, I know what to do. Boom, he'd do it. And so a lot of credit I I, I will okay. I'll give to Joe Murray just yeah. being a very smart guy. Because I would be very talented. Yeah. Helping my memory again. I, I do remember, yeah, some of the some of the puns were really good. Well, 
once again, you know, Joe's, you know, been around the block, Joe Murray. Yeah. And he could pick up a lot. And, but I like the fact that we kept the Japanese names. I mean, yes. we might've butchered a lot of them, but it was quite, it was quite fun. Yeah. Again, I'm just once again, talented for, for all these names are so foreign, just with them out. And, you know, as you know, you know, when you're reading a script, but it's never reading, you're talking and yeah, it's like, you just pull it out. <laughs> and it's as if these little guys, like it's detective Conan talking to these people, yeah. but yet it's a 50 year old something, man, you know, doing the <laughs> yeah. Just- now I saw that you just kind of, mm-hmm. kind of round the bend here. Uh, sure. You mentioned in our email exchange, you're, you're in a tech startup called uh Cinewave. Yeah. Yeah, um, tell me. Tell I, I watched the trailer. It was really cool. I love I love the idea. Oh yeah, feel free to share any little bits of that if you want. That uh, you can download that trailer and, and yeah. Add any of that in. So so um, well, I'll tell you the concept really easy. It's a very easy concept, which is you watch a movie on a big screen or any content, like even an anime series, and then you listen to the audio on your own cell phone with your own headphones. And I'm going to demonstrate that now. This um, is just a phone. And right now we're going through a test with, uh, it's called Rooftop uh, Cinema Club in Santa Monica. So uh, oddly enough, this is a Hollywood film that's being played right now. People are sitting in their drive-ins and uh, they have about 200 seats in front watching this movie. And anybody that has headphones, they're just listening to um, the audio. So it's... So, so why I have this on is because uh, just making sure that nothing happens. Right. Obviously, Jason is also monitoring. Um, so what that allows is it allows scalable audio. So what has not ever been done is to be able to use um, cell phones to sync audio to the pictures. And, how, okay, how's this for full circle? Being a nitpick person, having, you know, directed anime you want the sink yep <laughs> when the sink's not there it throws you out i mean so to be able to get the technology to the point where you can listen to the audio on your mobile phone and it doesn't matter where you're standing you could you could be on a cliffside at, at a beautiful beach and watch a big screen mm-hmm. and have that beautiful breeze and everything's in sync and you have the immersive audio and maybe you have your Bluetooth audio headset and you're having a picnic with your drinks and sandwiches and you're immersed in the world because audio is so important. So I guess connecting all my dots, knowing that audio is so important, it was great to be able to build sort of a tech startup and, and, and the technology. And first ever, world first. So it's patent pending. And we're right now in, in t- testing pilot stage with, you know, uh, Rooftop Cinema, uh, they started in the UK and London. They have them everywhere. They have them in not only LA, they've got Houston, Florida, you know, all over the US. Yeah. And what it, what what we'd love to see uh, come about is sort of preserve the big screen magic. I think it's been really, really tough for cinemas uh, yes. because of COVID mm-hmm. and with streaming and piracy. And you go down the line of yeah. what's sort of killing the big screen magic. This is one way of utilizing technology to salvage the big screen magic. Because ultimately, I want a screen that's bigger than the chair I'm sitting in. (laughs) And then I want 
any kind of chair I want. <laughs> yeah. But with immersive, beautiful audio. And so that's, that's, that's the technology in a nutshell. Okay. Wow. Because you were mentioning you were getting out of acting and you were talking about when you were starting acting, you were going to go into tech. Yes. So this is that, kind that, of circling back to that. I finally get to be in my uh, unicorn tech startup. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you said that, I'm like, ah, the, connect the dots. Yeah, 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 yeah. you're right. So if, if there's one piece of advice, having lived the, um, is, is to just keep doing what you love to do. Eventually, everything does start to make sense and come full circle for you. Yeah. Keep falling apart. Yeah. So what else is on the horizon for uh, Christian Lee? Well, um, I think a CineWave to, to sort of go out there and create some really unique experiences. I'd love, 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 love to see uh, CineWave being used for some of the anime movies and anime series. And the reason why is because it has the power to bring people together. Yes. And especially with the Japanese anime and some of the amazing dubs that are being done there. Yes. The platform actually can handle multiple languages. So it's it's how we get the sync to work is because you're actually downloading the audio file. It's right. it's encrypted and everything, it's safe. But what that means is you can download any language that you have the dubs for. So let's say if I'm at huge sort of iconic sort of outdoor open air cinema yeah. in some cosmopolitan city and you're from People from all over the world are there, and they go to, let's say, a Doraemon movie. <laughs> the German dub, the Japanese dub, the English yeah. dub. You simply download that dub, and you're all watching, laughing, and enjoying the movie yeah. at the same time, but in the language. And right. maybe you're working on different languages. You can toggle between languages. So that would be my envision. And I think what's great about anime and what's great about like even studio ghibli movies the dubs are amazing the english dubs and the japanese is yes. like it is amazing to listen to it in all the different languages even the disney movies have been dubbed with yeah. wonderful talent yes. and it's a really great way to showcase like wow it's like they really nailed the voices for all these different yeah. uh from all these different countries for one particular character yeah. i think that's amazing to, to be able to have a a platform that can really showcase that aside from yeah yeah um i think that's all the main questions i have um did you have anything else that you want to discuss or bring up or something i, I missed no um just want to thank you again oh for, absolutely you know I, really it's it's an honor because you have put so much time dedication and, and work and i kind of want to see i want to see the quest get fulfilled so let us try and hunt down, even if it's a little promo. Yeah. Let's try and fulfill the quest. And even if it's a little promo or trailer. Yeah. Or reassembling the cast just a little <laughs> bit. Let, let's go for it. It's... Oh, cool. Well, what a, what a, a fun and awesome sort of hobby you have or lifestyle. I mean, just... <laughs> How fun is it? Because it's like endless amounts of things to. Um, yeah, to I get so many requests. I get so many requests for things to do. I'm like, I wish I could do them all, but I also have a nine to five. I do. <laughs> and, well, and congratulations on your podcast because thank you. Getting that up um, is not easy. So yeah, you, you just like, it getting good. Like, you're doing great. Keep it up. Thank you. 
I think people love it. And you, it, your edits are tight. Like they're just like, oh, right to the information, right to the right <laughs> to the gold. I, I get it. Okay. Yeah. Boom. This interview was in August of 2021. Since then, Cinewave has seen great success and continues to be used throughout Singaporean venues. The application has approved to sync audio with films from the likes of Disney and Sony. Best of all, Cinewave received a US patent in December of 2022. You can check out Cinewave for yourself by going to Cinewave.com. That's Charlie India November Echo Whiskey Alpha Victor.com. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate this podcast five stars and subscribe via your favorite podcast app to know first when an episode drops. If you want to hear more info about English doves like Doraemon, as we discussed in this episode, check out my YouTube channel, Yui Senpai TV. Here's my guest next time on English VoiceOver in Asia. My name is Eric Kelso, and I'm in Tokyo. I've been here about 35 years. I'm a voice actor and narrator, originally from California. If you're an actor that has worked in Asia and would like to be a guest on the podcast, please send an email to yuiharuhara at gmail.com. If you're a listener and would like to know when I have upcoming guests, please follow my Twitter at Yuiharuhara or stay tuned to my YouTube community tab. From there, you'll be able to ask guests questions that may be featured in their interview. Until next time, take care.